Hey, what's up guys? Chad Hermanson here with Mental Edge Training Coach. Today, I am going to be chatting with Eric Gagne. That's right, Eric Gagne, the former closer of the Los Angeles Dodgers. We're gonna be talking about his story, how he grew up in Canada, what that was like for him being a hockey player and a baseball player, and how he was able to get drafted, his role as a starter in the minor leagues, and how he eventually became uh, one of the best closers we've ever seen at the major league level. So enjoy this conversation with Eric Gagne. Hey, what's up, Eric? How's it going today? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Eric and I were teammates in, I believe it was 2003, uh, we were both Dodgers. I was actually, most of the year I was in Las Vegas uh, playing for my hometown here for the 51s. And you're out just, you know, breaking records and saves, no big deal for the Dodgers. And then I, I had come up to the Dodgers and it was actually quite a treat uh, to watch you come out and play. I was chilling the whole time, uh, no playing time whatsoever, and just watching you dominate major league hitters. Uh, but I want to go and kind of start with you just way back. I, I kind of want to start with you and and allow you to share your story because you were born in Canada. You, you didn't have the the actual path, you could say, a lot of us take to the big leagues. You came from, from Montreal. So tell us about your upbringing and your story there. Well, I'm a hockey player in my head. I think I pitched like a hockey player. Uh, you know, like you said, my path was a little different. I always dream about being a hockey player. My dream was to be in the NHL, play for the Canadians. And, uh, but I loved, I loved baseball. My dad always told me, he goes, you know, I want you to do more than just hockey because it was really hockey all day, all year, every year. I, I ate hockey. I dreamed hockey. Baseball was – I love baseball, but to me it was more of a secondary sport really early. But I fell in love with it. My dad was really involved in it. He always coached me a lot. So, to me – you know, just to do a different sport. He wanted me to keep me, keep me busy, do other things. And then I just picked baseball. And I fell in love with it. I started, I was really good at it. You know, of course, you, it's always fun when you're a kid, you're good at it. So I kept, kept going with it. I didn't know, I really didn't really have a plan for a career in baseball. I really didn't think of that. I didn't even know you could get drafted. So really? it's, uh, yeah, okay. I had no clue. So it was a little different. I mean, I, I wanted to play hockey. I wanted to be you know, successful athletes as a hockey player. I never thought of baseball. And then I was 15 years old and uh, Ta or, uh, Claude Pelletier was my scout for the, he actually was at the Mets now. I don't, I don't think he works anymore, but it was the Dodgers. And he followed me ever since I was 14, 15, 16 years old. And I uh, just, he came up to me, he goes, hey, you want to be a major league, major league baseball player? I'm like, if it pays, I'm in. <laughs> so, you know, it just kind of went, it went that way. My dad told me, you know, he is, when he came approached me, I was pretty young. I didn't really know if it was able to be drafted or not. When my dad said, you know, it's just, it's cool, man. If you want to do that, just go hard. Just make sure you do it, do it right, and do it as hard as you can, and just give everything you got. And if you can't make it, at least you won't have any regret. So that's kind of how it started. My dad just kind of a passion guy. He's not a sports guy. Just, you know, I don't think he ever played sports. And uh, he just wanted me to be busy, keep busy, keep, you know, stay, stay out of trouble, basically. Okay. So you grew up hockey. Did you, so is high school baseball is a lot different in Canada, right? It's kind of non-existent. Is that correct? Yeah, there's zero. I think it's starting to bit a little bit like uh, baseball in the U.S. I think they're trying to mimic, but you got to remember, when you go to school, you're going to school. There's no sports there. So it's, 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 it's a little bit harder. I don't like it as much, but 
I mean, to me, you had to be club. It's club baseball, club hockey. It's always outside the school. So to me, it was very different. You know, you had to find your friends. And my dad, I remember my dad used to have to go around to his car, his old, uh, I think it was old Malibu. I think it was yellow or I can't remember exactly the color. He would drive around the neighborhood and pick up the kids, four, five, six kids, and just go, go to the, you know, to the park and go play. So that's kind of how it was at first. And then I got involved a little bit more in the Little League. And my dream was to go to Little League World Series when I started playing. I watched it, and uh, I think it was in Williamsport back then. Yeah, So I wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, that's just – that's what I kind of did when I was young. Just kind of play boat sports, and that's why I made my friends. And uh, my dad was really involved. My parents were really involved. So it's uh, – it's a little different path, but I think it's just passion. I think you just go out and play hard and whatever sports, I think it kind of translates to everything. Yeah, it's interesting with, what are you, about 45 around there? 44? Okay. 44. So, yeah, we're about the same age. You're two years older maybe than me. Then. But yeah, we've noticed that in our generation, you know, we always kind of preach like play football, play basketball, play baseball. And I think we're still trying to preach that. And we're seeing these younger kids get – get kind of so involved in baseball at 8U, 9U, and it's, you know, 10, 11 months out of the year, you know, with you playing hockey, that is probably a huge difference. What, as far as like a mental toughness part of hockey, how does that translate with baseball? I want to go back on the subject that everybody plays all year. And okay, yeah. I think we have a little bit of FOMO. I think we have fear of missing out a lot as parents, as players. And I think that's the problem. If you just like, hey, everybody understands that, you don't have to work, play baseball all day to work at baseball. You can still work with other sports. You can still be a great athlete at something else. You're still working on the game. So that thing, if it's turned that way, I think the kids would be interested in it. It's going to help all the other sports. And I think it's going to grow the games, not just baseball, but all the games and all the sports. And to me, it was to keep, keep, keep myself out of trouble. And my dad was basically at, and I think if it's just focus on sports, any sports, it doesn't matter. I think we're going to grow out of this, and the kids need to do that. I know it's hard because everybody's got to be so good at early age. If you don't, you're missing out. I get that my son plays hockey. He plays midget AAA in Canada. I mean, it's, you know, he got a concussion. He was fear of being me and missing out. Like, a th two or three months he missed out. But now he's coming back, and he's mentally a little bit strong. You know, it's like just stuff like you can still work on your craft, still work on your game, not just being on the field or on an ice rink or whatever. You can still do that. But to go back to your question, I think, mentality as a hockey player is to go all out and I think as a starter when I came to I came to the big leagues I was more of a I was told to go like 80 percent like Oral Orscheiser they're Greg Maddox of the world like these guys are just so automatically fine they're so fine-tuned with their body they can go 80 85 percent yeah. yeah and I think I think for me as a closer I'm like man I'm a hockey player I'm going there for 30 seconds you know 30 second shift, I'm going to go all out. And I feel my body function better when I do that. And maybe it's a stress, under stress, whatever it is. But I think as a closer, it was more my personality. And I think the hockey player translates a lot in the way I pitched. I mean, when I was on the ice, I was going to go all out. And, you know, either it's a do or die situation. I loved it. And I think as a closer, that was a little bit the mentality I went about. I mean, I never saw it as a save. I saw it as a preserved win. And to me, that was important. You know, the guys worked their butt off all day. All you know, nine innings, they put all the numbers down. We're winning. So to me, it was just, hey, just preserve it and, you know, go celebrate with the guys. That's interesting. Yeah, preserve, preserve the win. That's that's really interesting mindset with that. Yeah, it's interesting because when we were teammates, our, our team was loaded. You know, I came, I came from Pittsburgh most of the time, was with Chicago for just two months, then got traded that, that uh, offseason. It was a free agent, I should say. The Dodgers picked me up. And – but – 
I'm just going to kind of remember who we had. So if I started in the outfield, when I came, we had Jeremy Burnitz, uh, Brian Jordan, and Ricky Henderson. So there were yeah, Ricky, Ricky first. Remember his first at bat? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you hit a bomb. <laughs> so I, I I told this story before. I I had a I was here again with Vegas, right? And my roommate was Larry Barnes, uh, sweet swing lefty, right? And we were in, we were on the road somewhere and ESPN had done a story on Ricky Henderson because he was playing in the independent league, just killing it at, I think 42, which is yeah. what, how old I am today, 42. <laughs> and I go, okay, dude, watch, dude, he's going to get, somebody's going to pick him up and somebody is going to lose their job. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? Like I completely manifested that because I got, I was in the big leagues with the Dodgers. Ricky Henderson shows up. Hey, Hermanson, you got to go. <laughs> Be fair with what you wish for. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, Larry, I called it. <laughs> like, I wish um, you said someone else. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was obviously just the fact that I got to play with Ricky Henderson, that was pretty cool. But yeah. so then moved to center field. We have Dave Roberts, right, who, is man- who we know managing mm-hmm. in the big leagues at the Dodgers now, uh, Sean Green. And Adrian Beltre, who is pretty good, pretty good third he's base. He's de- decent. I got it. Yes, okay. he's pretty good at little short. He's pretty good. Short side arm, right? <laughs> uh, Cesar is tourist. Very oh, best hands I've ever seen. I think. Yeah. Defense first guy, just smooth. Alex Cora, you mm-hmm. know we all know Alex at second, and then I believe it was uh, Fred McGriff. At yeah, first base. prime dog. And then we had. Uh, Let's see. I want to say Leduco's catching. Catcher is either Leduco and Phillips, maybe. Remember? I think. Was it Phillips? Phillips was after me. Or Hot Rod? Hot Rod. Uh, Hoffman. Or, or, uh, oh, Hot Rod. Hundley. Todd Hundley. Oh, David Ross. That's David right. Hundley was just yeah. before. Yeah, I played with. So was I, was part, I was part of the trade when Eric Carroll got traded. Uh, yeah, yeah. I went dude. to the Dodge of the Cubs. Yeah. With Grubbs. Grubbs, EK. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was a part of that. So it's kind of interesting yeah. how that all worked. But then the pitching staff was, I mean, we had what, Darren Dreifert, you know, you're mm-hmm. closing. Um, I mean, I, I can't even, the names are kind we of. We had a lot of good start. I mean, uh, that starting, actually a starter, we had guys that were struggled a little bit, but we had guys that got hurt. Wait, was that Kevin Brown here? Kevin was Brown you? was there, yes. Kevin Brown, Dreifert, Chanho Park, maybe? Yep. Yep. Chanho and then who uh, else Nomo. Was Nomo was still Nomo, there. Yeah, Nomo's on. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> He's amazing. Yeah. So he just like, even though I was, I was a little was bit, in, I was a little bit in big league awe with like, Oh my God, yeah. you know, and I, I didn't smell the field. It was, I was just, yeah. I kind of, my day was taking BP, you know, and <laughs> I was banged support up. Cast. The support I, cast, yeah, man. That's was, important. Yeah. So it was, but that was fun, but it was also pretty cool to watch you come in. Um, you know, but I always kind of paid attention to, what guys' routines were, you know, how they got ready for the games. Pitchers are on a completely different level, the way you guys work and your mm-hmm. physical activity you guys do. Um, tell us, and for, you know, a pitcher, a bullpen guy that might be listening to this, what was your routine like as a closer, Because knowing that you might pitch every day? Yeah, but that's – see, that's the one I'm trying to – like, a lot of guys ask me that question, what would you do every day? I'm like, the thing is, I was trying to feel how my body felt. That's one. I mean, because you, you get worn out. I mean, there's times I went four or five days in a row, and then you just got to basically your arms hanging by a thread, and you just got to figure out how to keep it on it, you know? Just yeah. keep that arm attached to the body is usually what you're trying to do a lot of times. In, in the season, I think 
You know, there's a lot of things. I would do upper body. I love doing upper body for me, but I think it changes. Everybody's different. Some days I would go out, drink the night before. I pitched two days in a row. I'm like, man, I got to go easy. I go in the steam room and stuff like that. So it would be changing all the time. But the main thing for me, the routine was just to get to the field, eat the, trying to eat the same hour earlier. Like if I would eat at 1130 on the road, because it's a little later on the road, I would eat at 10 o'clock at home. Kind of, that's kind of what my routine was. Like, more of the stuff around the game because the game was such a chaos. Like I was trying to get ready for whatever because you never know when you're ready. That's off the field. On the field, physically, I mean, the workouts, I had my trainer, Todd Clausen. He was with me all the time. He always helped me. So just – I wasn't really a set workout per se. I, I, I did what I kind of had to do. That's yeah. kind of what I went, you know, because he's just trying to keep the arm. I mean, of course, he did the – we called it the job weights, the job, shoulder job weights back then. Uh, I did a lot of that. But more of being in tune and in touch with your body. That's kind of what I, I would say, like, to kids, like, understand what I did is what I did. It doesn't mean, like, it's everybody is – it's not the blueprint for everybody. It's my – that's what I did. It's not exactly for everybody. It's not tailor-made for everybody. So, I think be in touch with your body. Understand how you feel. And I think Paul Quantrill was the best guy to tell me that. Q is like, you know – you got to feel it. I mean, if you can pitch with pain. You can pitch with nicks and bruises. But if you don't feel your body, you'll never know. If you don't listen to it, you'll never know how to get it better. So I think that was a big thing I've learned. I learned just little stuff like that that you just kind of – my routine was to get to feel for my body. I mean, during the game, I watch game, I watch film. I watch the game. I watch the angles of the cut, the calls of, like, what am I getting today? Am I getting an inside pitch more? Is he willing to – because that's what I love about the element of the human factor. You know, you know, okay, a guy likes to call pitches in. I'm like, tonight I'm going to go in as much as I can, unless if they established and I see the hitters are going on uh, in a lot, I'm, I get my outsides open, you know, depending on what situation I would come into the game. For, to me, it's just a – I don't want to call it routine. It's more pre mental preparation. I mean, read some scouting reports, whatever I could understand out of it, you know. Uh, just kind of same meal, same routine. Like, I would tap the ground three times, tap the walls, just stuff like that where <laughs> – Okay, I'm still here. I still do the same thing, even though there's complete chaos. Things I could control, I would try to. That would be my routine, kind of. But I would try to be not too obsessive about it. We don't call it routine because it's just we don't want to do obsession on that. But that's, you know, that's kind of what I did. I did the – I went around the stadium three times when I was a starter, all three outs and all three strikes. <laughs> yeah, that's it was right. a long time when I was a starter. Like, yeah, I'm going to go nine in. Like, you're not yeah. realistic. <laughs> yeah, you, would, you wouldn't do well on the time that what – 25 yeah. or whatever that time is right now. Was it like 20 <laughs> seconds between each pitch? I'm not even sure what it That's is. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because you were – when I had faced you as in AAA. You were still the Dodger. You were in Albuquerque. I was in Nashville quite a bit. Uh, that's when it seemed like you started to really make a name for yourself um, as a big pitching-type prospect with the Dodgers. But you were more of a starter at that point, correct? Yeah. I mean, all through the minor leagues with the Dodgers, I've always started – I mean, I think – the biggest Dodger, I think everybody talks about their pitching, their pitching, and pitching. I think the best thing where they, they gave me was innings. I mean, I went out there, I succeed, I fail. I had a lot of innings. I remember Charlie Up would say, you know what? You don't know how to pitch until you have five or 600 innings under your belt than any level and pro level. I mean, it'd be A ball, double A, triple A, triple A. If you have five or 600 innings, then you can tell, you know what? I've been through pretty much everything, even though baseball will always bring you a curveball somewhere. But you kind of know how to act. You kind of mature enough to go through the ups and downs. And I think these are really important things because now, especially now with all the young kids coming in, they're so talented. I mean, we talk about how good they are. That's true. The only difference when we're there, 
the talent was still amazing, but I think the mental approach was a little bit different. And I think now they've been rushed a little bit. They might not be prepared perfectly to handle like adversity or, you know, handle the money, handle the, the road, handle the girls, all that stuff that you don't really see in the minor leagues. You got to get ready for it. I think that's what he kind of met, you know, mentally, maturely, you're not really there until you have four or 500 innings, which, you know, it could take you 10 years sometimes. <laughs> depends <laughs> on what you're, but I think that's why a big prospects would usually start, I think. And I wasn't a big prospect to start with. I think I had two good years and I became a big name in A ball and double A. That's when a double A, that's when I got called up and I was a big name because I had, uh, I was in Texas and I started doing really well. I kind of came into my own a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, just, it's, I think it's, you know, it's, it's tough to say exactly why or the reasons that why I wasn't a good starter. I think it's more my hockey mentality. But, you know, like you said, you just the kids are so young now. I don't think they're as mature. But you see some kids are like, wow, it's insane. I mean, the talent level is unbelievable now. We're really lucky. Yeah, it's it's impressive to watch. Yeah, and like you were saying before, like, like maybe that's just your approach and the way you pitched. It was maybe 100%. Like, I'm, I'm going after these guys. Um, I, Max Scherzer comes to mind that's like that now and can still do that as a starter. Um, some guys can back it off and still throw 95 and, and they have some finesse to that where you're, I remember you're just going after them, you know, you're that was 110%. <laughs> Everything <laughs> was I got. Nosebleeds, not yeah. coming out, ear bleeding. I mean, yeah. anything. And, and did you notice that, that you were way more effective doing that rather than backing off to that 80%? Yeah, that's what I did in bullpens. I mean, I threw bullpens as hard as I could throw. felt like everything would sink. Yeah. Like my body would sink hard. I mean, it was just as hard as I could go as mentally maybe. I don't know exactly what it is, but for me, I was an all-out all effort. Mm-hmm. And if you're an all-out all effort and you're young, you don't know how to control your body, I think that's when you can start to hurt yourself. But to me, I was old enough. I was mature enough where I had plenty of innings. I knew how to do things uh, physically. I mean, I knew how to throw a ball. Yeah. I know how to throw, you know, certain fish. I think you have a certain maturity that you can go all out. A guy like you watch a Jacob DeGrom, it's insane. I didn't know he was that good. Yeah. The guy throws a hundred miles an hour on demand. He just decides yeah. to go hundred. And it's it was pretty amazing because I've seen him walk pitch a little bit from you know, watch a couple of innings here and there, but I didn't really pay attention that much. When I watched the last two, three games, I'm like, wow, this kid is insane. Pretty I mean, there's a lot of those guys in lower effort, right? You're like, yeah, how? that's that's it's easy gas. That's what that's easy gas. That's like, man, he looks skinny. I don't know how things probably what six four, six five, probably he's probably huge. Yeah, you know, and he probably 100 and, what 80 pounds, maybe. You know, yeah, it's just perfect to I mean, just fine tune, perfect delivery. Just he under like I think he understands his body. He knows his body is where his body is in the air and great balance. He gets it and just the timing's right and. It clicked. I mean, it's pretty to watch, man. You don't see that very often. It's like yeah. a Greg Maddox. It's like a Greg Maddox throwing a hundred. Yeah. I mean, we don't see that very often. Yeah, it's pretty special. I agree. When you watch him, I, I was in the summertime. I usually get assigned a summer team to scout, and it's always I go to the fifty ones, um, which is now uh, what are they? They're the Las Vegas. Uh, drawing a blank on their name. They're the A's AAA now. Yeah, um, is it the UFOs now? Yeah. <laughs> the exactly. UFOs, the 51s. I yeah. love their hat. Those awesome. Yeah, little but the Mets were coming that. in, and um, DeGrom hadn't quite made the big leagues yet, and he got, like, scratched. I wasn't able to see him. Um, and then Syndergaard, I got to see him for, like – I saw him for one batter, and he kind of pulled his groin on a bunt play, like the first batter of the game. Um, but he was throwing 97 in his warm-ups, and, you know, just, like – as a, as a scout now, you get excited to see that. Like, what does that look like now? Yeah. Because, uh, I, I mean, you didn't see that much as a player. When I played, 
Um, you might see some velocity, but the sharpness of their breaking balls. Um, it was not the same. It's, it's just different. You know? The kids are better. I mean, I don't care. Like, I wish I was that good. I mean, I wish when I pitch, I was like, yeah, that was sick. But you look at this stuff now, you're like, man, that's insane. Like, you're like, how can he not be that good? Mm-hmm. Like, how can he have like a four or five ERA? And then that's when I think, that's when I think like the integration of baseball, like us, the old guys that kind of understand the game, I think that's so valuable to understand, hey, these kids are just kids. I mean, they don't have that many innings. I mean, they come up at 20 years old. They go through the grinders of every day. I mean, it's not easy to play baseball professional. I mean, it's like you got – you know it. It's, you got to travel. I mean, and if you don't know how to travel, it's hard. I mean, you're going to wear your body out. And I think the young kids don't understand that. But see, these kids are so freaking good now. It's insane. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like a synagogue, they can walk a Bueller. Yeah. They can natures. I'm like, he's 105 pounds. It's crazy. And it? <laughs> but he just generates that perfect, you know, just so much pop. And the delivery is just so perfect. It's pretty cool. Do you think that has to do a lot with the way the training has evolved over the years? They know they know how to specialize in that a little bit better? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what, as much as we can say how much we hate the new data, the technology, the, that's not, that's just, to me, I think I like it because it helps my, it helps the way I coach. I mean, it helps me this trial and errors. I think if we use it the right way, you should be able to, example, like driveline, you should be able to understand like, all right, I don't need, 45 pitches to warm up you know I can do this a certain way and I can you know I can save bullets you need to save your bullets I mean you, you're not going to throw for 50 years and as hard I'm sorry as hard as you can it's probably Amazon huh yep <laughs> Amazon all day long <laughs> uh, so yeah I think it's uh, it's important to understand like your body and now I think the training is huge I mean driveline has made so much so much progress and as much as we can bash all the new stuff the rap soto yeah we get caught up into a little bit of the data but if you can use it the right way it's going to help I mean that's why those kids are so good I mean they understand pitching a little bit maybe not pitching but they understand what they need to do with the ball to make it act a certain way yeah. and I think a guy like Trevor Bauer guys like this that just went out on the limb when everybody thought he was crazy that kid understands the baseball. He understands what the baseball does in the air, and that's important. I mean, if you understand that, you know, you can adjust your body a little bit, and I think it's, it's a – that's the thing. As much as we hated – the old guys hated a new wave of guys, you know, <laughs> I think now there's a balance that comes into play. I get one straight on this side, and now it's all right, back in the balance. I think it's, it's pretty fun to watch because you see the talent that I don't think would have came out the old school ways only. I mean, that's, 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 I don't want to say, I hate saying old school. It's just the old ways that we used to do it. I mean, you want to evolve. I mean, the game evolves. We evolve. Everybody evolves. And you can't fight it. It's just got to go out there and try to get as much tool as you can to become the best you can be. And that, that's all I see data or technology. I see it as a tool, a tool to use. And you can overuse tools. You can use it the wrong way. I mean, it's very you got to find a way how to do it. But I think it's important to understand it. If guys don't understand, that's the responsibility for the coaches to give them what they can actually, you know, they can actually take and actually learn from, not just throw stuff at them and not under, because then they get overwhelmed. So, yeah. again, there's got to be a fine line, a fine balance of where, all right, what does this one kid, like, what does Eric Gagne need? Or what does, you know, Walker Bueller need? Some guys don't need anything. You just say, hey, let's go keep attacking, blah, blah, blah. It's super simple. But if you tell that, to a guy that is, you needs to know why his fastball is not rising the same, or he thinks his fastball is not rising, and he sees that his spin rate's the same. Like, hey, maybe it's your head, dude. Maybe you're not making good pitches. Maybe it's that. But I think it just helps pinpoint the problems a little bit better, a little easier, and then just with more accuracy, more efficiency. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, now, you are you working with the Dodgers currently right now as a pitching coach, or is it? Nope, I'm just uh, home right now. Just, uh, I just still, I still throw. I still got a guys. I, I got guys in Quebec City and Montreal. I got guys that was coming here to my house to just train and just kind of play around, just throw balls and kind of mess around with new. Like I did the drive line by myself for two or three years, see if it was good. If I liked it, I love a lot of things. I'm like, ah, what can we do to make that better? What can we do with the technology side? What can we bring to the players to basically package it and make them make them better? Right. And that's what I've been doing with the guys in my house. So it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Okay. So you're training guys on your own. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. I've been cool. doing this forever. I've been, I mean, I remember Russell Martin came to Monta, came to Arizona, lived in my house. I've always, always, we always met uh, guys coming in and out. My wife hates it, but uh, <laughs> I always had guys, I always had a guest house. She's like, do I got to feed these guys? Like what's the <laughs> <laughs> So she's so, she's so nice. She wants to cook. I'm like, no, you don't have to. They're, they're fine. They're going to figure it out. It's just, they're seeing the house and it's in the guest house and that's it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I've always been involved in baseball some way. It might not be in, organized baseball or whatever but I've always coached a little bit like I said in France I coach with the Rangers I coach there are guys coming in and out every single year like two three four there's guys that sometimes there's 10 guys a year you know it depends when spring training comes around two three weeks before guys come in they need catchers they need they need info so we're just okay. going to do that a little bit very cool very cool so what I talk to a lot of high school kids and, and pitchers in general too that have some you could say maybe some anxiety about coming into a game, about getting ready for a game. You know, you're, you were a closer at some of the biggest games in Major League history. How did you deal? Did you have any anxiety beforehand? Do you feel like it's normal? Like, what was that like for you? My anxiety, I felt, I think I channeled it the way, like, you know what? I always thought it was 50-50. <laughs> I'm either going to succeed, I'm either going to fail. That's it. That's very simple. And then I'm like, all right, if I worry about it, is it going to help me succeed or fail? And if I go, if I do this, in my head, I'd like, I've done all my homework, either physically, uh, mentally approach. I was ready for each hitter. Sometimes I prepared too much as a starter. I think I did too much of that. That's probably why I didn't have the same success. But to me, just to clear out all the doubts I had in my mind, either work out harder than someone else, uh, get more information, understand patterns better than others, and just make sure I was disciplined that way. And I got on the mound, it was almost my reward to be on the mound. So that's kind of how I saw it. You know, I paid a price off the mound. And when I get on, it's like, hey, I'm elevated. This is my hill. And whatever happens, I've done everything in my power to, to, to be successful. And let's go. And that's really kind of how I saw it. I was nervous every time. I remember my heart would skip in the seventh inning. If I knew there was a three-run lead, I'm like, that's bad. <laughs> but sometimes I would hope for a four-run lead. I'm like, oh, we might want to score one less or like make sure we give up once I could get in the game. That was a selfish way as a closer to, yeah. you know, you want yeah. to get saves, you want to rack him up, and you want to get easy saves. So I think, you know, some stuff like that, that you always get nervous. I mean, I remember my, my heart would skip, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is my sign. I'm nervous. It's okay. This is what I do every day. Start breathing and just go out about your business. You, you've done your homework. You've done everything you need, and that's your time to shine or not. <laughs> yeah. And just well, yeah. That's good to hear because I think – some kids think that, man, if I have anxiety or I'm nervous, that they feel like there's something wrong with them, right? It, there's, there's nothing wrong. It means you care. Right. You're just scary. Your fear of failure is okay. I mean, like, and I said, it sounds weird, but I watch a TikTok with uh, Will Smith. He goes, hey, if you're afraid of doing it, just do it with fear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of do it. Go about your business. Try to, just try to prepare as much as you can. Just really go out there and kind of, you know what? I feel 
Like I've left everything on the field. So there's no guilt. There's no guilt of like, oh, the FOMO again. I should, I should have done this. I should have trained harder. <laughs> well, if you have those doubts after, that's your problem. If you say, you know what? I've done everything I can in my power, in my control to be successful. Sometimes, you know, that's when you tip your hat. Hey, is it better than me today? That's it. That's just, and then I think it helps move on faster. Yeah. It's easy to say for me, you're here now. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> like I've controlled that all the time. <laughs> That's right. But it, That's right. You know, it's, it's tough, but it's normal. The kids, I mean, you're going to be freaking out. You're going to be scared. You're going to be afraid. You're going to be, I mean, there's so much that comes into play. Oh, if I give, I remember if I, I remember it's like, okay, I got to go five. I got to go quality starts from the first hitter. Instead of thinking, hey, I got to get this guy out first. Right. It's just times like that when you're a first year, second year guy, you got the Kevin Brown, the China Park, you don't know all these guys in front of you, number seven starter in AAA, like, hey, <laughs> you know, you just got to go out there and focus on what you need to do every pitch. It sounds so cliche, but there's a reason why it's cliche because it's true. You know? It's yeah. just a, it's, it's, it's got to live the fear, feel it, understand it, try to conquer the, fa- you know, the fear and it's, you're going to fail sometimes. I mean, that's just the name of the game. But it's, uh, if you can get back up, say, if I could, um, excuse my French, if you can say, get back up and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be better next time for it. And I think that's just an attitude. If you have that attitude, it's going to help. If you fear, fear of failure, it's normal. Everybody's got it. But you just got to spin it around and make it, you know, constructive. Love it. That's awesome. Now, you know, I want to, I, I, when I envision you, because I've seen it so many times, I envision you're at bat or you're pitching against Barry Bonds, right? And one of the most iconic at-bats ever. Tell us about that at-bat. What did you what did you feel in that experience? This at-bat, I mean, you guys can watch it. I've watched it many, many times. I got the kids watched it, and there's such a big story behind it. But the cool thing is I was the best. Like, I was at the top of my game at the time. He was at the top of the game, and I think – you know, there's a fear of failure and everything, but to me, I'm like, I can, I can see how good I am right now against the best in the world. And to me, after the game, I'm like, wow. And I remember the video guy, his name was Casey Deskins. The video guy, it sounds terrible, but he was my best friend. He was a good friend of mine. And Casey was a video guy for us. And he's like, man, why are you, why are you laughing? He beat you. I'm like, that's the best time I've ever had on the mound. I mean, I gave everything I got. Everything hurts. My arm, my right side was a sore. Yeah. You know, it's just, I'm like, I'm going as hard as I can. If, my arm might fall off, but that's the one that bad. That's the one time right there that I know I got to measure myself. And then I failed. <laughs> and he beat me. Like, he beat me twice. I mean, he went deep 550 feet and make up a code foul. Then he went and just almost hit me in the face, almost hit Alex for a second base. <laughs> and he went out center field. In that's what was amazing. Field. You know, I mean, that's – and that's to me, like, when people ask, like, who's the best player you've ever seen? And I'm like, I was a huge – I was a huge Ken Griffey fan. Um, and, and Bonds obviously had his, his PED issues, right? But I'm like, that guy was he just – changed the game. It was unbelievable. I mean, the eye he had, his plate discipline. When you would actually sit and watch him, even like as a, as a player in the booth, I'm like, oh, it looks like we're throwing around him. And he would just be on every pitch. And Insane. he got that one pitch, and he didn't miss it. I'm like, this is incredible. How do you do that? <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's that, that's the that's the crazy thing about this. That's how smart he was at baseball. He knew situation. He knew when he was being pitched around. He knew when he was going to get a strike or not. He knew. I mean, there's so much like, hitting is so freaking hard. It's impossible to do almost. It's a luck thing almost. But then if you could do it over and over and over, you're doing something right. I mean, he was the best in the world. I think. I think he's the best player to ever play the game. Yeah. In my opinion, I haven't seen the Babe Ruth of the world, but I'm talking about athlete, the way he changed the game. I mean, I was, I knew he was number six hitter, 
two and eight. I knew that. I'm like, okay, now if we have a three-run lead, a four-run lead, I might not face it, but if I have a four-run lead, I, I, all this stuff was coming into play. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's insane to change a game that way, not even having to be in the circle, being an on-deck circle, being on, uh, on behind on deck. I mean, that's what, that's, that's what, that's big time. That's what makes it, to me, a Hall of Famer, just the way he changed the game, the way he made everybody better around. I mean, guys are hitting in front of him or after, behind him. I mean, behind him, you don't get a lot of RBIs, but you get a lot of, you know, you get a lot of scrap of, you know, little hits and stuff because you're getting a lot of fastballs. And uh, I think it just, it just changed the game. To me, you have a guy like Ken Griffey. Just, I think it's more of a natural guy, like just mm. natural beauty, perfect, like just a swamp. Just everything he did was, <laughs> was just beautiful to watch. Barry, I think – Barry's just good. I mean, you just saw like good. I mean, everything you did wasn't as sexy as I think as uh, Griffey did. But man, there's just two different two different guys. I mean, you see guys that you're like, man, it looks like he's swinging underwater, but he's always on time. That was Ken Griffey. But then you got the Barry Bonds is just so short, so quick, so strong to the ball. I mean, it's totally different guys. And yeah. to me, I mean, the best. I just I don't want to watch. I don't really mean about skill wise, Barry, because there's a lot of good players that play. There's a lot of guys that play. Gary Sheffield, my God. I mean, that guy was beast. I mean, that guy might be the best. I, I mean, Edgar Martinez. I mean, pretty much the best right-handed guys I've ever played. But I mean, I've ever seen. But Gary Sheffield, I think he's the best righty that I've ever seen. It's it's a guy like this, just so quick, so strong, and just. That's kind of the Barry Bonds, a righty and lefty Barry yeah. Bonds. I think Sheffield, I think these two guys are, I mean, they're pretty impressive. But Barry changed the game. I mean, he just changed the game. I remember we had meeting, pitchers meetings with Jim Colburn. Mm-hmm. He goes, okay, I got an idea. I'm like, Jim, no, we can't pitch to him. Let's stop talking about him. I'm like, let's walk him. Just give me this. And he right. goes, oh, yeah, you can pitch around. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, you don't understand. He's not going to call. He's not going to swing bad pitches. All it is is he's waiting for me to mess up. And I will. It's possible. And he's not going to miss. So let's get this straight. Like, like you said, I mean, he was getting one good pitch to handle maybe every series, every three or four games. And he would crush it. Yeah. It's insane. Amazing. It's amazing. So Sheffield, cool. Sheffield was one. What are some of the other guys that really impressed you? Let's talk about pitchers. Was there any guys that really influenced you and, and taught you a lot about pitching and how to go about it? Roger Clemens. <laughs> Roger Clemens, I think. You watched him pitch. I'm like, just – like just just out there that is or on the mound was different i mean he was big he, like, he got bigger and then you could tell like he was dominating the hitter and i remember the piazza and incident him and piazza like to me that kind of defines a little bit of what he is just a bulldog just a attacker and uh he, he's just said i mean seven Young's, right seven Cy Young, seven Cy Young award seven winner. I mean, that's yeah. that's a lot that's a yeah. lot of Cy Young. What did you – you only had one, two? Only one. See, it doesn't even count. Like, are you kidding me? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Roger Clemens is a guy that I really love watching. Uh, a lot of people that like, – one guy that helped me a lot, I did not pitch at all like him, was Oral Urshizer. Oral Urshizer, when I was with the Dodgers, he used to do meetings uh, in the – have you been, you've been to Vero Beach before? Yeah. Okay, so Vero Beach, we used to have a little bar. It used to be where all the Don Drysdales, the Sandy Koufax would go to have a drink in that night. So that's why it's so special. It's a little bar, but then we had meetings there with uh, all the players, all the pitchers, and then uh, Orlo Scherzer would go do meetings, just pick brains, just kind of talk about pitching, you know, just – and I learned so much about him. I was like, he used to take speed off and, then you know, add, add a little bit and just move the ball around. He would throw it a little slower – 
he would, he would throw a sinker and throw a little slower sinker to get a foul ball. He knew that. He was just very smart that way. And I've learned a lot from these guys. The guys like Quantrill. Guys, I've learned so much. Not at all the way I pitch, but I've learned a lot from them. And I kind of picked their brains, picked the way they would pitch. Like exactly like Greg Maddox did the same thing. I've learned so much from Greg just watching him, how he went about his business. And I didn't even pitch that way. I mean, I was just full out. But to me, just kind of picked the best of the best. And I kind of wanted to, you know, take a little bit of this, a little of that, and make it into my own. Yeah. Now, do your kids, are they playing baseball at all? Are they playing just hockey up, up north? Or I have two girls and two boys. And my girls are just at school. My two boys. One of them, my youngest, Harley, he is a baseball fan fanatic, and my son, Maddox, plays hockey. My other is all hockey, so. Okay. And I'm preaching to play another sport, but I'm not making them, so. Right. <laughs> how, good is, how good of a dad am I? <laughs> nice. Nice. So, you, so you're coaching kids now at your home, kind of one-on-one -on -one instruction. It uh, sounds like that you have quite a passion for that. Is that. Are you looking to get back in Major League Baseball as a pitching coach at some level, or? I mean, I hope so. I hope, that's what I want to do. I'd love to do it. I don't know how that's going to happen. I mean, it's now it's changed so much. I want to make sure that I want to make sure that I'm somewhere that I'm appreciating the way the work I do. And there's now it's been like such a big difference, such a big change. I think I have to be understood the way I talk to you. So I need to have the real, the right staff, the right people on top of me that I can actually talk the way I want to talk. Because a lot of times is you come into a situation, there's already a system in place, and it's just trying to fit in and to me, it, it was a little bit hard. I don't fit in very well. So, <laughs> so to me, it's, it's got to be the right situation. I, I love teaching. I love I, – I, I'm really proud of seeing guys, like, understand what I'm trying to say and try to work on it and, you know, just keep going after it. I mean, there's guys I have right now. I communicate with them. They're in Japan right now. They play in Japan. Okay. And Reed Garrett, I mean, it's fun because he's had – he was actually with, the, with us last year in AAA. He started as a Rule 5 guy for Detroit. We got him back because he wasn't doing good. And he came down with the, the Rangers in AAA. The whole year was with us. And, I mean, from, to see where he was, he came in with zero confidence. He didn't really have his good – I mean, his stuff was there, going 99-100. But he didn't really – you know, he was afraid. He didn't know what to do. He, he was learning. He was just a young kid. And now you see him blossoming. It's really cool to watch. And he's like – he's dominating over there, but he still wants to learn. He reads everything I read. To me, I take pride in that. I think it's I take pride because I want to make sure I give them the right things. I want to make sure I, I tell them the right thing because I don't want to just like, oh, I'll do this and not really know what I'm talking about. So I think it's a mutual respect that way because I feel like they care about me and I care about them. So I think that's the big relationship that, that we need in baseball because, I mean, whatever you want or not, we're like dads. I mean, coaches are dads. I mean, we're away from the family. We're the best friends. We're the guys that get a confidant. We're the guys that need a – Hey, we need a beer. Sometimes you need to push, 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 but sometimes you just need to talk or whatever. Right. And I think that's important as a coach to understand that you have to have a balance. And I think that's what I like to do. That's the way I like to coach. And if I can actually do that, I would love to do it. That's mm -hmm. that'd be my my dream just to be in the big leagues and help guys in the big leagues, of course. Is there anything that with the these one-on-one -on -one kind of instructions you do with these pitchers? Do you find that a lot of them have the same, uh, let's say, on the mental side of of the approach? Do a lot of them have maybe the same hiccups? Is there kind of commonality there? Do you find that? Yeah, but it's it's funny, but it's not like they're just afraid. They're afraid to fail. I think they just don't – they want to be themselves. They're trying to be someone else. They're trying to be me or trying to be whoever teaches them. Like, no, just figure it out. Mm. Like, I don't know everything. I don't know much. I mean, I just know from stuff from my trial and errors. So don't mm -hmm. be afraid to fail. And I think the fear of failure just blocks people. 
instead of just take fail, like I'm, look for failure, look for it, look for yeah. fun, do something that you can fail. Like, and then it doesn't mean don't like, it doesn't mean you suck, it just means you failed. And then try to do it again, try to figure that out. And I think you can grow so much faster by failing. I think that's when, that's when you learn. No one cares when you do good. I mean, everybody cares when you do good, but personally, you don't really grow. And I think failure is part of the of growth and you need to fail as much as possible to a certain extent. You don't want to start bashing all day and fail all day. It's <laughs> nice to be good. Like I said earlier, I love to be good at baseball. It's probably what made me more attached to the game. But at a certain, at a certain age, you just want to grow by, you know, failure is okay. I mean, yeah. me might be special, but failure is okay. I think that's the biggest hiccup that they want to, I think they're trying to please others. They're trying to do things their one way. I'm like, no, just listen, take what you can. And if it doesn't work for you, just move on, try something else. I think just being able to move back and forth and not be stuck on one way is huge. I agree. Yeah. It's, and I was having a conversation today with a player and I asked him and he had some experiences where, yeah, I just feel like I'm trying to, in a way, please the coach. You know, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I've been there. Believe me, I think we've all been there. Because we, we all want to be coachable, right? We all want to be able to listen to instruction. But you also have to know yourself enough to say, hey, like, I can see that probably worked for you, but that might not work for me, you know? And being or just say, I don't understand. Right. Like, I don't get it, man. Because there's the best pitching coach at <laughs> Claude Austin. Claude Austin is a lefty. He's a great pitching coach. No idea how he would talk. I mean, but I remember all the movement. He would do the movement and everything else. Now, I kind of caught up to this later. Like, to 15 years later, I understood a little bit what he was talking about. But there's coaches that, to me, my best coaches are more rah-rah, let's go. You can do this. More like a confidence boost, like, hey, or he would have maybe. That, to me, that worked for me. And doesn't mean he's the best pitching coach. He's the best guy to work for me or where I was at the time. I think it's important to understand as a coach, what's this kid? Who is he? Like, a Dominican kid, never had a parent. He left at 15 years old. He doesn't have any guidance. He might need a little bit like, hey, come on, buddy, go eat. You know, whatever it is, like, whatever they need. Our job is not to cater to them, but our job is to be attentive of what they're trying to do. And we all know what they're trying to accomplish. They're trying to be the best in the world at what they do. We know that. That's very simple. Mm -hmm. So my job is to try to get them to that point. Not from today to tomorrow. It's like, all right, there's a step that he has to take. Like, there's a certain learning experience that he has to go through. And the problem is in this game, you only have a certain amount of time. Like, you want to try to get it quick. That's right. And, you know, it's yeah. not easy. And there's a lot of times it takes a lot more time. Sometimes you got to fail a lot. You got to be an A ball for five years. I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. Everybody's different. It's not one. There's not one right way. It's just a lot of different ways. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's um, you've been I've taken a lot of your time here already. So what would you say in regards to say you're talking those high school kids, maybe the college age kid? Um, what what to say is the one piece of advice you would give them to progress and what they're trying to do uh be open-minded but be yourself like just trying to be a sponge try but understand that if you can't if you don't it doesn't work it's okay to let it go move on like it doesn't mean you're not going back to it doesn't mean that maybe later you'll get it i mean there's things i'm like oh that's what he meant you know there's like four <laughs> or five years later i mean there's mark brewer actually was my, one of my first mm -hmm. pitching coach i understood brew was a guy that so funny he just made everything easier funner like that's what he did but as a pitching coach I don't think I've learned anything but that's not true I've learned a lot but what I can remember is like he made me feel like ah, fun easy it made me play baseball instead of just working at it and right. that's a big thing or we play baseball I retired when I stopped playing baseball it became a job it became a I had to go to the field my body wasn't good 
And when it becomes a job, it's not fun. And, you know, there's guys that can say, example, Jeff Kent. He said, oh, I don't like baseball. I'm like, I know you're lying. You just say that, but Jeff was dedicated to what he wanted. He just didn't like the people around, like to talk to people maybe. But guys like that work hard. And then, but you have to understand that everybody's different. And that's just important to, as a kid, just be yourself. Don't be stubborn. Like understand that you don't know it all. Just be a sponge, open up to stuff and understand. If you know who you are, you'll know who to turn to. And then if you don't know, open up and say, hey, I think it's a simpler way to do it. That's awesome, man. That's great. Well, as I'm excited for you, man. I Hopefully uh, it works out in regards to maybe you find a fit with a team, if that's the right w- route for you. And uh, But I know what it's like to work with one-on-one with kids and see that progression. And it's a whole different level when you're working with a high school kid as opposed to a, a pro already. And it's coming mm-hmm. to you for advice and and you're able to maybe tinker and fix something mechanically and it clicks for them. You're like, dude, that's it. Like that's, that's yeah, the, that's, that's the mechanic right there. So yeah. well, Eric, man, it's been fun. Uh, I'm glad you were f- been following the channel and, and watching the episodes a little bit. And, uh, but I really appreciate your time and hopefully we'll see you, you know, whether it's on TV again at the big <laughs> level or whatever it is, man. I, but I appreciate your time. Thank you, man. Anytime. Just let me know. We'll do it again. That's fun. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.